Hello, everybody. Um, welcome to Sunday service again. It is the 29th, right? So it's the 29th of March, and uh, we are about to enter a new month, but we're also about to pray. I don't know what I'm rambling about. Here we go. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to pray, and then we're going to start our service um, online. Okay. Sorry, guys. We have some disturbance in the sanctuary. All right. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come together and to worship um, together in this in this way. Um, we're we're thankful that even in a time like this, in a time where we have to be separated. Um, we have the unprecedented ability to still be together. And so we want to thank you for that, and we want to honor you in, in that ability, and we just want to, we want to bring you praise and bring our attention to you this day. So um, draw us together in our hearts and in our spirits and um, give us the strength we need for a new week. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat> Oh, 
tradition.
Thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to still be 
um, setting time aside today in worship um, to you. Um, thank you for allowing us to gather, albeit digitally. Thank you for the blessing and the foresight you've gave us in, um, to do that. Pray that everyone is with us this morning. Um, yeah, I just continue to pray for our um, our hearts and our minds that we rest in your your sovereignty, that you give us peace, that you um, help us to um, yeah discern different things going on in the world and how we're supposed to interact with them. Um, help us to think of new and creative ways to be doing that together as a body. Um, help us to be innovative in that way um, so that we continue to gather together, that we continue to um, speak your word and speak truth into a world. So give us wisdom and clarity and discernment in terms of how we do that. Um, pray for the people that um, yeah, are alone, that are separated. We pray that we don't let this um, time of isolation define our future. Um, keep us all safe. We pray for the people that have to make difficult decisions in uncertain times. Um, please be with them and guide them. Um, yeah, and we pray that this morning we could um, be fully focused on your word and the message that Colin would have for us this morning. Help us to stay in your word in general as we um, continue to move forward in an um, uncertain time. So um, we love you and we thank you for this morning. Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Welcome those sparse few that are the essential crew of the church here. And welcome everybody from your homes. Um, yeah, hope everybody's staying safe and healthy and has all the stuff they need, obviously. Um, we are a community in Christ, and so remember to reach out. And we're going to get more into that today, even. So, this whole last month, we've been talking about how we value our blessings and how we should value our blessings. Value, as we encountered in some of our cell group discussions over the last few weeks, uh, has a lot of different angles on its meaning. And so I just wanted to hit on some of those as there's been a little bit of confusion and questions in cell groups about that in discussion. And so they kind of all work together, in fact, when you put it all into the concept. So the first type of value is an adjective. It's something that is descriptive. It's like cash value or functional value. A uh, second type is a verb, and it's how we consider important when we value something as important. And the third type is a noun, a value, a principle, um, something that we live by. God has many values that we are called to adopt as our own. So which one are we using when we ask, how do you value your blessings? And... Uh, 
The answer is, is that we use all of them at once. It's a multi-layered concept, and it's very dynamic. We're asking how much our possessions, resources, and skills, or time are really worth, how much they're valued in that way. We're calling into question how we personally interpret and prioritize their worth before God. We're searching to apply principles at the same time in God's word that will help us correct how we understand and value our valuables so that we reflect God's values in our actions. Many people have religion and even sincere beliefs, but what happens when their money is on the line? What happens when their valuables are on the line? When a loved one is at risk? When their own safety or health is at stake? Well, their concept of value starts breaking down and starts landing back on themselves many times, people that have religion and even sincere beliefs. That sincere belief often reveals its lack of power over themselves, let alone others. Yeah, Scripture talks about this in terms of where our power comes from. It comes from Christ. It doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from our own imagination of values. It comes from things that are rooted deeply in Scripture in all dimensions of value. And what we're talking about here is basically that a stress test happens, and it can reveal weaknesses in our convictions in even deeply religious people. It kind of reminds me of those restaurant shows. I couldn't name them very well, but those different restaurant shows where they set up everything and they're looking to help a business succeed more and to see where the weaknesses are, they put them through a stress test and they just overload the restaurant with customers and see where they fail. And inevitably, they always fail. We are blessed right now to have many people still able to work and even people get paid to work. But we are in a stress test nonetheless, just like in those restaurant shows, and you best believe that we do have our weaknesses, and we can't overlook those things. We need to be able to look at ourselves in this time where our culture is in flux and uncertainty, and all of that, we need to be able to see where our weaknesses are and use this stress test, but be it in front of the curve, anticipating that we have weaknesses in our flesh, where we don't rely on God as much as we should, where we aren't basing our value in all dimensions, our value and worth, our value in terms of what we consider important, our value as the principles of God, where those things don't have as solid a foundation as we thought. So, we need to check this out right now. God is not just with us right now in spirit and all those things. But as a body, in many ways, he's sheltering us from this economic upheaval. And we need to do right by this. We need to not take that for granted. It would be bad for us to recoil in fear and anticipation 
based on something bad that hasn't even really come to fruition yet. So we need to stay faithful as a body, especially in these uncertain times. Even if we still have jobs, even if, like the lucky few of us, we're getting paid um, to not even work at the present moment. Um, and then obviously for those that aren't as fortunate, being able to reach out and, and have support in all these different ways that we're trying to offer right now. We need to not take these things for granted and take a look at ourselves and our weaknesses. We need to stay faithful right now, especially in uncertain times. Uncertain and faithful, if you think about it, are basically opposites from one another. Seasonal trends um, in tithe is one thing that I'm going to use as an example right now, are indicative of how we will want to act during this time. It shows signs of selfishness or self-preserving tendencies or even just out of sight, out of mind, um, the tendency for when something is to be out of sight that it's out of our mind. Not being at the church or not being with the church as many people are right now. We're in a vulnerable state just from that. But I'm using seasonal trends like the summer when everybody's like going on vacations and the winter when everybody's trying to buy Christmas presents and stuff, ironically. We see trends in our giving in the church that reflect weaknesses in these points. You may say this virus is no big deal and you may be right, but it's stressing our culture, it's stressing us, and people are weak, including us. Here are some examples, tangible examples of our weaknesses. In the summer of 2019, we still had the classic low point in giving, you know, where you see a significant dip when you get to see a graph of that. Um, in the order of, you know, 30 or 40 percent, if not more, which is substantial when you're talking about um, a body as small as ours, even. But, and uh, just this last year, August was the lowest month of the year. So it's like at the peak of summer when everybody's doing all these things. It was the lowest month of the year. Um, January being almost tied also for least giving in the post-Christmas slump. It was just like 50 bucks off or something like that. And then we look at the wintertime. December 2018, uh, the month before you know January of last year, was the lowest month of giving in the last four years on record. It's not good in terms of data from our seasonal stress tests. Some of the worst in recent history, in fact. And why is that? I'm not going to speculate on all of the details of the reasons for that, but we can be rest assured that we have weaknesses and they show up in stress tests. Let me encourage you though that giving is up on average. And the holidays four months ago, instead of a year and four months ago, were more stable than before, than in earlier years. So we're on a good trajectory as a body, but we still are very vulnerable um, in terms of having a tendency to alter how we serve God based upon our own desires, our own pursuits, and our own insecurities, presumably during these stress tests. 
brothers and sisters, this simply just isn't right, as we've talked about over the last month. God deserves what's his, and we need to give that to him. In this day and age, one of the main avenues is the church for how we give. It's not the only one, but it's a good tangible example and one that I actually have numbers on, so I'm using it. Um, In these times, as a result, we should be diligent to resist the temptation to go into self-preservation mode in these stress tests, remembering that our Savior will keep us above water and that we should use our blessings for God, as we've talked about over the last month, both to strengthen the body and uniquely call others back to Christ, not just reserving it just in case or to make up for things that we, choices that we made and so on and so forth. We are indeed being tempted right now to recoil in fear and self-preservation on a lot of different aspects of things. Let's take a look at some scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Paul says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what's good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Like we talked about earlier. This is significant, but also subtle. This is a significant, but also a subtle time in our lives where we aren't in the last days yet, as Paul is talking about in terms of the future. And things aren't all that bad right now. Uh, But we are being pushed in this direction. With every new trial, with every new movie even, on a corporate global level, like never seen before. And these things are the things that we're being pushed toward that Paul is talking about. We need to be aware of this. As Timothy was made aware by his mentor Paul, key elements in that, that we will be pushed toward by the world are loving only self and money. So proudly touted Right now, in today's culture, if you go out and talk to anybody, loving self and money are proudly touted as noble pursuits today. If you go out and say to people, got to make that money, got to do everything I can, got to take care of number one, they'll say, you go, get it. Being proud and scoffing at God, relying on ourselves, in other words, and doubting God's role and God's providence in that, in any real sense at least. Uh, Considering nothing sacred, Nothing is intentfully dedicated to God in this world. And nothing is worth sacrificing to preserve those things that are sacred. That's what we're being pushed toward, to give up what we would hold dear in terms of our important things in our relationship with God and one another in his name. Um, We also have being cruel and betraying friends, especially when dangers come, other people go out the window, right? Self-preservation. And I want to point out that neglect is a silent killer, which is relevant to us right now. We can't neglect 
our friends. This could turn into a difficult battle for us. Maybe not for survival in this present moment, but for integrity before God in our stress tests. Thankfully, we do have a way to be saved and successfully oppose the flow, the current of this world. Take this illustration that we're going to camp on and explore for a minute here. Ever tried to stand in the middle of a creek? How about cross a raging creek or a river? It's strong. The current's strong. The water is powerful. The rocks are slippery. You fall. You get all banged up. Your feet get all smashed inside the rocks and all these things. Think the ABF retreat last year even where we were, I think we were having a party like at the at the boat ramp or whatever, and people were like walking out to a log out there and everybody's like falling over. It's really hard. The water is like two feet deep or less or something like that. It was totally calm. But we're talking about a big, strong, world-scale river and current here. But it's not made up of water. It's made of sinful people and sinful ideas and Satan's army pushing that flow along. Sin swept us up. The current of the world still wants to sweep us away today. Winter is coming, and it's entering flood stage. The current is building, is what Paul is alluding to when he's writing to Tiffany. The whole world is this river, though. There is no land except for one island with the flag of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. That's it. The whole world is engulfed in this current of sin, and we have one island to rest on. That's it. The Bible, <clears throat> back up for just a half second, that island is our base of operations. That's where we find stability, that's where we find safety, but we have to acknowledge that the rest of it is a current that's flowing. And it's, just to be bold and blatant, it's flowing to hell. The Bible says that that river will keep getting bigger and stronger, and it is going to take tons of people, even without them realizing it, that it will be business as usual to the end. How can people resist it and make it back to God on the island that he planted for us? That his Messiah established. We can't overpower the river's flow. We're going to drown. But Jesus has a boat, let's say, a fleet even, to send back out into the river. And he calls us not to fight against the current flow, but to understand that he's calling us up out of it to rise above the water, above the wind and the crashing waves through his way. And we will make it to the Father in heaven by that route. Not through our own power, not through our scrawny arms trying to fight that river. I don't know if you've ever tried. It's a losing battle. But through God's providence, back to his island. But what about all these other people who are being swept downstream? They don't even know it in most cases. Have you ever been in fast water carrying this further? Have you ever been in fast water and been floating? If you're looking in front of you, a couple feet, five feet, ten feet even, it doesn't even look like you're moving because everything else is moving the same direction as you. 
That's the scenario that we're talking about here. Movement is relative. You, being a disciple of Christ, are how people tell that they're being swept away because you are the stable one. You are the one that gives them orientation to see that they are being swept down river, that they are going toward that waterfall. And we're standing there calling to people on Messiah Island, let's say. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 says, Why do you keep calling me, Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. We tether ourselves to our real home on Messiah Island, the kingdom of God on earth. Understanding that, of course, all of these things will be destroyed one day and the real kingdom of God is in heaven. But here, we have a place. We have a home. The kingdom of God here that Christ established. Then, we can go out on a boat, able to move independently of the world's current. Able to stand ground and maintain position, maintain orientation so people can understand and see where it is that they're going. We can drop anchor and resist that current. People only see their movement by observing your stability and strength. We need to remember that in the current times that we live in, that there's all kind of momentum moving in basically one direction, even though it looks chaotic out there. And then, we are called to start throwing life rings. Life rings are those donut things, you know, that float, that like they have on Baywatch and like big boats and stuff. They got a rope tied to them and stuff. Those are what we're called to start chucking out, to call people to where they belong with God, to pull people in to live with us in Christ's boat. There's plenty of cabin space, though it's not luxury accommodations. And we will bring them back to the island that they need to be at. Or even for the more mature, we know that Jesus has the power for an even more intense life-saving system than life rings. Something that catches even more attention than driving around on a boat. And what I'm talking about is that we are able to walk on that raging and scary river with waves and all this stuff and rapids and take people by the hand, leading them back to the island where they will find God and stability. But we need to remember in this process as we seek to be mature believers that Peter, one of Christ's closest followers, focused on the wind and the waves and he sank. He walked for a minute, but it didn't last very long because he got overwhelmed by the raging river. We can't be that. We can't be that in this environment that we find ourselves in today. But instead, understand that our God even has the authority over, of the, river, over the river of sin and all the impressive wind and waves and currents that come with it. God wants us to serve him through reaching out, through making disciples, through tethering and grounding people 
in Christ. But first, we have to speak. What can you do from your homes right now? Sometimes speaking is about all you can do. There's also things that I've seen, which is kind of interesting, of like going to people's houses and like talking through a window and stuff like that, which, if nothing else, communicates a real intent and action and creative thinking and love behind things. So consider your creative options on how you can speak to people so that you can tether and grab onto them with those life rings and ropes and ground them where there is ground in only one place. Remember that those being swept away, they're not always going to be within sight, within your reach. Those people that are within your reach, they're not there by accident. God puts those people within our reach. And there should be a sense of urgency to us. There's, yeah, I'm just thinking of that movie, The Guardian, I think, with Kevin Costner. Rescue in open water is no joke. And if you watch that movie, you might have a sliver of understanding of that. If we understand the gravity of what we're dealing with here, not just because of the coronavirus and all the sort of chaos that it's causing and that it will cause in the future, but just our everyday life, if we understand the spiritual nature of these things, we understand that there's a lot at stake and that it's a risky environment to dive into. But we also know that our God is above those things. So if we find our strength in him, we won't tire of that. But there should yet be an urgency within us for that. Not just for unbelievers, but within our own body too. See, people are weak right? None of us is above that, and we can't take that for granted. People can fall overboard if you're going out on the ship, per se, and trying to rescue people, and, you know, people get stressed out and cope in ways that they've learned from the world. We can revert. It happens. Or you can get hit with the boom, like on a sailboat. I don't know if you guys know what a sail, what a boom is on a sailboat, but it's like that big It's like the mast comes down, this big sail on it, and then there's that big pole that comes out from the mast, and it swings back and forth with the sail on it. Well, when you change the boat direction unexpectedly, or if you get hit with a gust of wind from a slightly different direction, that boom goes, and it goes boom. And if you're in the way, you're getting knocked off. If you don't really understand how that ship sails, if you don't know what to expect, things happen and people get knocked overboard. So, when life throws a wrench in our plans, many of us may fall off the ship temporarily or almost do so. Or, say, the floods come and encroach onto God's island, as that passage from Luke said. Luke 6 continues, in fact, in verse 49. He says, Jesus says, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. 
and then I'm adding, and then they'll be swept back into the river. Sometimes people come and they join God's people and they haven't built a strong enough foundation and they do get knocked back into the river. They're not beyond hope either and we need to be prepared and see, look for that crumbling foundation and be able to help those people before they fall back in. So keep your eyes open when the weather gets shifty, when that boom's about to swing, when the ship's about to jerk and change position, like right now, when the weather is getting shifty. Support your brothers and sisters in that, and keep watch for when God brings you in range of somebody being swept away, or in range of somebody being forced off the ship. Remember that it's not just by happenstance that people get forced off the ship, but it is also by the intent of Satan and his people. So do your job and catch them and throw that ring. Run out into that water and don't deny the power that will make you godly. Don't focus on conserving, but look to the needs of others. Look to the weaknesses of others and how we can share each other's burdens, as it says in Galatians 6. Now, metaphors are cool and all that stuff, but what exactly is a life ring to us? What's an extended hand? There's all kinds of stuff, and I'm not going to pretend to be able to outline all the different creative ways that God wants us to serve and the opportunities that he gives us and the individual gifts that we have spiritually and physically and blessings and all of those things. But let's look at some stuff anyway. <clears throat> What's a life ring? What's an extended hand? These can be the resources that we have, spiritual or physical, things that we've been blessed with. God has blessed us with resources to help serve him and others. They're not just to sustain ourselves, although that is a part of things. Our blessings have three basic functions in this scenario. One, to physically provide for our lives. It's true, we're physical people, and God provides for us as he does sparrows and all kind of other things. Two, to keep your good relationship with God. That is another function of blessings for us. And three, to offer our blessings to others. So number one is pretty simple. God blesses us by providing for our needs, and we should be thankful for everything that we have. Enough said. Number two, to keep your good relationship with God. This one is a little bit more dynamic and interesting. At some point, you were thrown a life ring too. You didn't do anything to deserve said life ring or whatever, but you grabbed onto it and you were brought in. Even if you were raised in a Christian family and you've been a Christian ever since you can remember, you still chose to grab on at some point. You were still essentially in that river and you chose to pull yourself out of it. From then on, in theory, you've been manning the ship and you've been doing the work on the island, contributing to God's ship. His church, in this case, is the main example of this, the mechanical function we've been contributing to. Um, yeah, our blessings help us to contribute in the mechanical functions of God's church, of God's outposts, of God's Messiah Island and the infrastructure on it. Doing the work on the island, contributing to his ship. Um, but it's also for relationship. In Deuteronomy 14.22, it's a passage about um, in regard to tithing our 10%, as was the Old Testament standard. 
Moses says in verse 22, you should surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year. You shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God at the place where he chooses to establish his name, the tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. We see examples of giving back to God. We see spending time in his presence in that process of giving back to God. We see that doing these things will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. So giving back to him helps us to understand our relationship with him. It helps us have opportunity to spend time and eat with him as it would be um, to develop and mature our relationship with God. This helps us to stay faithful even in uncertain times. Uncertain and faithful are almost opposites, if you recall. So we should keep our weaknesses in mind in that and be vigilant. I did earlier use seasonal trends and tithe as an example of our weaknesses. Instead, we need to make sure that we don't forget that we are tethered to God. We got ourselves tied off to that ship, which does happen sometimes in a bad storm. You've got to tie off to the ship because you can't trust it. You can't trust even your own prediction of things. You may just be chucked off the boat. Um, we are one unit with God and each other. We are a crew. And we need to be tied off to one another. And then number three, our resources are also to offer to others. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, we read this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. We are stable. That's the fact of it. But we're not stable in and of ourselves. We're stable because of Christ and because of understanding his love. We need to live that stability and let them know that this boat is real, as the Lonely Island would say. Encourage each other that this boat is real, not just with words, but with our blessings. Be intent on looking out for others in this process. The Corinthians were encouraged when they wanted to send a gift to the believers in need in Jerusalem. These people, they didn't even hardly know. Like, they were in a different region. But the Corinthians understood that they had a need, and they understood what Christ's love meant. And they understood that the blessings that they had, uniquely more than other people, as that church in Corinth being more wealthy, they understood that they should give and that they should support in that way. That God's love was in them and that meant something in terms of action. So we read in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. 
Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will also joyly, joyfully express their thanks to God. <clears throat> the Corinthians were encouraged in their desire of giving based on the fruit of that, which was two things. That the church of Corinth was... Well, they were enriched in every way so that they could continue giving. And needs were being met for other believers, positive physical needs, and relationships with God were strengthened in that process. That the physical really translates to the mental and emotional and physical realities that people live in and that we should be seeking to see how we can contribute and support each other in that way. Being clear that this is from the love of God, that it will spur in these people that we're giving to and in ourselves that we can be thankful to God for those things and we can see God provide whether you're on, you're on the giving side or the receiving side. We still get to see God's provision in both ways. These things were really valuable, especially in hard times. Don't think that the first century church was a cush place to live in terms of economics and all of these things. Like, they had their struggles. Most people were poor. And poor meant something different than it does nowadays where we have, like, welfare and all these things. So we need to think about these things. Think about the consequences of how we can respond to the time that we're in right now. So to wrap it up, Let's look at how Paul encourages his legacy and his leaders in Christ's church. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Paul says that it takes faith and patience and love and endurance to make it through as an approved servant of God. To make it through personal persecution, physical harm we're talking about. For Paul bears the scars that show him as a servant of Christ Jesus. For us, this coronavirus thing is significant, but it's just a warm-up for the real deal, right? We don't know what's coming. We've had a really cush culture for a while. Sure, we've had wars and things. They've been across the world for the most part. But we can't expect that this will last forever, and we will probably see more things happening. We can't take it for granted that we've been able to live a nice life so far. Many, many, many generations have seen significant earth-shattering events on their physical lives. But Christ Church has not just survived through all those things, but his church excels in those events. 
And it's because believers understand or should understand how the love of God translates to how we respond and how we act in supporting one another and reaching out to those people being swept away by the current. There are opportunities. Wartime, for example, is always a time of innovation and progress. It's out of need in the middle of a war. We repurpose all kind of factories and businesses. Even now, people are doing that for personal protective equipment and stuff for the coronavirus. It's something where we get real innovative. We need to also, as a church, take advantage of this time, make new ways of doing things, make new ways to reach out to people and understand what's really going on and what people's needs are and how to promote and mature their relationship with God in that process. And we shouldn't just do that for right now, just to meet the immediate need, but we should always be looking into the future, right? So we need to carry these things into the future. Look for things that you can do and that you can adopt and carry into the future and get ready for more. Not hole up in self-preservation, but join the crew. Join the ship and tether off and get ready to start chucking life rings. ABF is making moves in this time. And there's a place for you in that as well. You can, even operating off independently, you can still be a part of the body, especially in this day and age that we live in. Make efforts to do that. Engage your mind and your heart in that. Take a look around, see who's floating by. Remember that Christ will keep you afloat in this process, that you should tether to him and reach out into the wind and waves to tether others. This big river of sin that engulfs the world, it's got nothing on Jesus. In fact, one day he will dam that river, double entendre. It will dry up, and he'll line up each person for judgment, both crew and floater. So we should be urgent in how we deal with this and take the opportunity and seize it and take joy in it too. So let's ask ourselves some questions and discuss in our online cell groups. How stable are you in fluctuating environments, even in something as routine as summer and winter? Or maybe, yeah, summer and Christmas, because Christmas is when Christmas, like Thanksgiving on is when things get crazy, right? So how are you in fluctuating environments, even something seasonal? Who is in range for you to reach out to right now? <clears throat> Excuse me. Who's in range for you to reach out to right now? Number three, how are you being intentful and urgent in this storm? How are you being intentful and urgent in this storm? And what blessings can you use in service to God and others? What has God uniquely given you that you can use to provide for the needs of others and do it for God's glory in that people will be giving thanks to God because of how you have provided through him? 
Okay. Let's discuss. Uh, people will be receiving calls from their cell group leaders. <laughs>